Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. So good to be together today. I know many of us really needed to be here today, and I'm glad you're here. And I also want to say welcome to our uh, to our friends uh, that are watching online, listening today. We're so thankful for you too. We love you and we miss you and, and we're glad that you're here and joining us. Well, I wanna begin with prayer. Uh, I know we just prayed, but I wanna, I wanna begin with prayer in just a moment. There, there's so much to pray about today. You know, our nation, as a nation, we once again are face to face with um, the world of racism, right? The world of hatred, the world of, um, yeah, I hadn't went anywhere, but we're face to face with it again, the abuse of power, and we're seeing violence, you know, responded with violence, and, and we're, we're hoping and we want justice, but we have no idea how it will come, and, you know, the death of George Floyd is something that is painful for all of us, and we still, and on top of that, we still have the effects of this COVID world we're living in, and where a lot of us are struggling with that, you know, when is, we're saying, God, when is this going to end? And maybe there's fear about, will it come back? And uh, it obviously isn't even gone yet. And so, Lord, what do you, what do you have for us there? And we just sang, you know, the powerful song, The Blessing. And, and I just want to begin by reading a passage, um, Jesus teaching, and he, he talks and shares some blessings uh, and, then I'll, and then I'll pray, but this is from the Sermon on the Mount, starting in chapter 5, verse number 1. It says this, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. I just want to pray together. Would you just bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we come today with praise and thanks first. We praise and thank you for who you are. We come with hearts that are eager for your presence and your power to heal the brokenness, the anger, and the hurt in our world and in our country right now. Lord, for the millions of us who are saying enough is enough, who can't take this anymore, may we feel your presence today. May we feel, may the people across our country feel that you are for them, that you are with them. Father, I pray for those that are going to the streets of America to protest. I pray for them. Give, them. give them protection, Father. Give them a heart of a reformer, not a rebeller. And so, Father, we pray reformation in our nation. We pray that in our room right now, we pray earnestly over the sickness in our world, Father. We pray miracles in the end of a virus. We pray strong leadership and united citizenship over our city. And more than anything, Father, we pray 
that you would spark revival in our land and in our world. Turn the hearts of people of every nation, every race, turn them to you, Father. We invite your conviction, we invite your correction, we invite your truth into our hearts, Father. Reform us and change us. Stir us and awaken us for more of you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, who knew that 2020 would bring about so much change so fast? And, and I was just, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I'm just so thankful today that there are a few things that don't change. You know, God is the same. Amen. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. He's always the same. And, you know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you know, they're still the same thing to me. The Holy Spirit is still my guide. He's still my comfort. He's still, he's still, my, he's still my, my conscience, if you will. And he is my friend. And my faith today, just as much as it's always been, maybe even more so, is still rocked by the idea of the movement of God through this world, ushering people into the kingdom, a heart for revival, and seeing God do something in our, in our world and in our days that none of us have ever seen. There are some things that don't change, my friends. God is still doing what he always does. God is still the hope of the world. And I just believe that as we begin that today, it really sets the course of where I want to go over the next number of months. We're starting in a series of teachings called Heal Our Land. And because we believe God is the great healer. We believe that Jesus, when he came and did ministry, he represented a healing ministry. He would gather with crowds and he would heal them, not only physically and miraculously, but we saw all sorts of spiritual healing that he brought about. That was always about the spiritual healing of the person that, that Jesus was about. And clearly, we need the healing work of God in our world today. We, we, we need to ask him, God, can you heal the world of a sickness that we know nothing about? God, can you heal the world of the anxiety and the fear that so many people are experiencing these days? And I think appropriately we should say, God, can you heal the world of, of racism? You know, I know a lot of us are in disbelief and we're probably shaken by the events of this week uh, surrounding the death of George Floyd in the aftermath we are now all witnessing. I, I watched the news, as probably a lot of you did, the last two nights as I saw dozens of American cities, you know, erupt in anger and hurt. And it was a powerful scene of pain and public mourning. I, uh, it was even happening here in our city, just right down the street. It'll happen again today. It's a type of pain that I know that I've personally never felt the depth of, that a lot of you probably haven't either. But it doesn't mean that I can't do and we shouldn't do all we can to make this world a place that loves our neighbors of every race. Jesus goes as far as to say that we should love our enemies. And so we have to figure this out and we have to lean into it and we need to say, God, can you heal our world, heal our land? Can you heal our divided culture that goes beyond divisions of race and into politics and into socioeconomics? We need you, God, to heal our land in so many ways. 
So for the next number of weeks, we're going to just lean into this and say, God, we need you to do the ministry that you've always been about doing. You know, it says in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen some powerful words. A lot of us know this verse, but it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray and seek my face and will turn from their wicked ways. Well, I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will now say it with me, heal their land. This is what he does. And today, um, you know, I want to talk uh, the message today specifically, I mean, the title of the series, of course, is Heal Our Land, but the title of today's message is Jesus and the Gathered Church. <laughs> today, I thought I'd have a little fun with that. Of course, if you've been keeping up with us, we spent a number of weeks talking about Jesus and the scattered church, and today, let's lean into Jesus and the gathered church. After all, we are gathering today, aren't we? That's what I'm talking about. Public gatherings are a point of so much conversation these days. How can we gather safely? When should we gather? How should we gather? And not that, that's, not just, that's just the church world for us. This goes into all facets of life. When are we going to be able to get back to having events in the Tower Theater and concerts? When are we going to be able to you know, see sports again? When's the NBA coming back? You know, all those things, right? When can I use my double park season pass so I can go to Whitewater? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> These are all the questions that are deep in the cracks of our soul, right? Most of us probably have a memory. Gatherings are something very unique. We probably have a memory or a special moment where gatherings, you know, they just stick out in our mind. There's something powerful about gatherings. I remember when I was like in fourth or fifth grade, I went to a New Kids on the Block concert. <laughs> probably the lamest gathering I've ever been a part of. I was hanging tough. <laughs> The coolest gathering, though, I ever went to, and the, probably the best one, was in uh, 1998. Me and my family traveled to Chicago to see Michael Jordan and the Bulls play. And that, in that fabled season, The Last Dance, that the ESPN just, uh, ESPN just did a documentary about, I was part of the millions of people caught up right in the drama of, and the magic of Jordan and the Bulls. Anybody with me? Can I get a witness? Yes. Well, a few other more meaningful gatherings that come to mind that I was just thinking about gatherings and, and, and a couple, I have a picture of our first gathering as a church and I actually think this is maybe the second or third, but a picture of about 60 people gathered in a room just down the street on 23rd Street, you know, I was thinking about gatherings more recently and I was remembering a, a worship night, a night of worship that we had a few months ago where you know, the presence of God came into that room and it was just so powerful and it just stood out. It was an amazing night. I don't know if any of you guys remember that. Those of you that were there, it was just a powerful night of worship. Can't forget it. So, so good. Um, and of course, the most meaningful gathering of my life is the gathering where Christy and me got wedded and we got married, right, back in December, <laughs> December of 2000, December of 2000. That was the number one gathering ever. Although, I just want you to know, in that crowd, there was only one person that mattered to me. <laughs> My number one, Christy, you're number one. You're num uh, um, <laughs> gatherings of people are impactful, memorable. And we are seeing uh, when crowds come together, even in protests this week, and demand change for our country, that there's a lot of power behind that. Gatherings in a spiritual context... Um, when we gather around the name of Jesus, there's always an ordained purpose. Uh, and so let's get back to this Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 that I, I read us, because there's a crowd that's gathered here. This is called the Sermon on the Mount. And it says this, 
in verse 1, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside and he sat down. Now Jesus did this often. He often gathered crowds together. He had large crowds. So uh, let's talk about this specific crowd for just a moment. A few years, I mean, excuse me, a few verses earlier in chapter 4, you, you learn a little about this crowd. They had gathered from uh, around the area. There's a group of people that came from what is known as an area called the Decapolis, which was an area of about 10 cities, mostly Greek, non-God-fearing people, people who didn't know anything about the Torah or the law of God. So these were non-spiritual people. And then you had people from Galilee, Jerusalem, Judea coming to hear Jesus. And those, so these people are very religious. They're very Jewish, if you will. And then it says also in that verse that there's people that came from the region across uh, from the Jordan, which means kind of could be anywhere. They could be coming from all different parts of the known world. And so in this crowd are all sorts of people with all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of thoughts about God and about life and, 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 and different races all gathered together. So I want you to imagine it in a modern day context. This would be like um, a NASCAR event group of fans, right? Coming together, blended with the Beyonce concert group of fans, a Billy Graham crusade and what the heck, let's throw in like a Chris Rock comedy show, the entire cast of Broadway musical, the Cats, and they're all in their costumes, <laughs> including Jennifer Hudson and Taylor Swifty. You know what I mean? Maybe we'll throw in people who like to go to dog parks and people who are members of the Jelly of the Month Club. Yep. All those people. It took me a long time to come up with that list. Thank you. All those people are in one place. This is the type of crowd that Jesus is dealing with. And what I'm saying is there's, all those people are great people, right? But it's an interesting mix of people, one that usually doesn't come together. Different cultures, different races, different beliefs and backgrounds who don't, normally don't mix. So these aren't like brothers from other mothers and sisters from different misters. This is people that would say, I, am no, I would never call them a brother or sister. In fact, I have disdain for those people, but they find themselves coming together to hear from Jesus. This sounds like a beautiful thing, doesn't it? Jesus bring all sorts of people together. This almost sounds healing. Jesus loved the crowds. The message in the ministry was always for the multitudes. Listen to this quote. It says this, Jesus was not monastic in spirit. In case you don't know what that means, that means he doesn't elevate isolation or private faith. He's actually about the gathering of people. He's not monastic in spirit. Jesus was not monastic in spirit. He had not two doctrines, one for the many, another for the few, like Buddha, meaning there's not a higher teaching for some and the lower for others. No, his highest teaching was meant for the million. I love that. Meant for the million. His teaching was meant for the crowds. God, God seems to work if you will, through the, through the gathering of people. And he obviously has a plan and purpose for the gathering of his church. But it's actually what Jesus says after he sits down on that mountainside. It's what he says that brings healing. And so as I walk through these eight little statements that Jesus said, I want you to just ask yourself, do I need to hear that today? Because I'm, I'm in the, under the belief that all of us need measures of healing. All of us still have things that God is trying to uh, heal within us. And so perhaps for you today, you're going to find yourself going, do I need God to touch my life in that way? Do I need his, his, his blessing? Do I need to receive 
healing. So Jesus looks at this, at this mixed crowd of people and begins speaking words of healing. And he starts with this, right? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, the poor in spirit means to be spiritually bankrupt. It means to live in spiritual poverty. Don't you know that so many people feel spiritually empty and confused? Don't, don't you know that spiritual confidence is what most of us all desire? Think about people. They want the confidence to know that they've got their life figured out spiritually. And Jesus is saying to this crowd, it's, it's through me that you become spiritually rich and confident. It's in me that you find the kingdom of heaven. And, and I know for a lot of us who are already believers, I still think we need to let this sink into our heart. Without Jesus, you're spiritually bankrupt. We have to know that. We have to believe that. We have to trust in that in order to receive the kingdom of heaven. He goes on in the next verse and he says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. You know, spiritual mourning feels it feels the depth of the brokenness and the sin in our world i mean when we think about mourning we often think about the loss of someone and i want you to think about that in the sense of how you feel when you lose someone you love but then that feeling is in a spiritual condition is saying i feel that sort of pain when i think about the condition of the world and the sin that is in it do you feel it do you ever get that pit in your stomach when you're like i cannot believe that this is the world that i live in I know some of us felt that this week. One of the most powerful statements is, I mentioned it already, but I heard an African-American pastor saying, saying these, these protests are an act of public mourning. And I was like, yes, I, I understand that. I get that. And Jesus is saying, listen, do you, do you feel, the, do, you, do you mourn for the condition of people, the condition of this world, the darkness that people live in, and he wants to heal our mourning. He wants to bring his comfort. He goes on in the next verse, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Just so you know, to be meek is not to be weak. <laughs> no, meekness is something else. In the scriptures, meekness is disregarding your own rights and privileges. You understand that? You know, so many of us are born into some measure of privilege some of us are born into some measure of privilege, and we have what has been given to us that sometimes not only by God, but by, by man, and we have this given to us, and it is laying it down. Meekness is laying it down for the sake of others. Meekness means to be gentle, feeling no superiority to others. Meekness is no arrogance. Some of us, really all of us, that we need to be healed of our arrogance how much of our life we think about that we have the right opinion or the right solution. So back, back to my ridiculous crowd I made up, right? You know, it can be easy to think, oh, NASCAR people, they're not my people. Beyonce fans, they're not my people. You know, whatever, right? Jelly the Month Club, not my people. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't look out of the crowd and say, oh, you people over there, you're not my people. No, Jesus was for everyone. He laid down his privileges and his rights for the sake of everyone. That was good. Thanks. The next verse, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, as Christians, we hunger and thirst for a lot of things. 
things that seem good. We, we hunger and thirst for blessing. We hunger and for, thirst for favor and success and, and comfort and answers from God and, and for him to do all the work. I get it. But how many of us hunger and thirst for righteousness? How many of us truly hunger and thirst for righteousness? This is, if I was being like, this is the thing for me that I would say, I, I want this. I'm not good at it yet, but I want this in my life. I want this in the life of our church, that there would be a pure, authentic hunger and thirst that cannot be quenched easily. It would not be quenched by one trip to the prayer room or by one really good YouTube message or by one, you know, 15-minute quiet time every morning. Like, that would not quench the hunger and thirst. Like, there would have to be more, that there's something that would drive us. And when we hunger and thirst for righteousness the way that God calls us to, that's what changes the world. That's what sparks the fire of revival. I think so many of us have to be healed of complacency. Are you with me? We have to be healed of the complacency in our life because hunger and thirst reshapes the way we live. It reorients our, our purpose and where we're going. And I love this promise that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. But guess what? You have to pay the price to be filled. You don't just get to be filled. You got to be hungry and thirsty to be filled. And so many of us want to be filled without hunger and thirst. We're like, God, fill me. I just need you right now. I know I haven't been doing anything for a year, but I'm desperate in this moment. Fill me. And we wonder, why isn't he filling me right now when I ask as if God is at our own beck and call? See, hunger and thirst, those are the ones who will be filled. He goes to the next, in the next verse. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. <laughs> to the one who has, been, who has received mercy, guess what's expected of them? To be merciful. This is always a little bit of a head scratcher for me when a Christian really struggles to be compassionate or merciful because they've been shown so much mercy, right? We've been shown so much mercy by God. So why is it so much easier to be rude or to be angry or to be unforgiving than it is to be merciful? We gain nothing from selfishness and unforgiveness. Nothing. We need his healing strength to be people of mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It's the pure in heart, those who are, those who are selfless in their intent uh, on good. These are the people who get the amazing gift of intimacy with the Father. You want intimacy with the Father? Be pure in heart. God loves purity. He's all about it. Flee from things that pollute our lives with lust and, and jealousy and anger and, and other types of sin. He looks at the crowd and says, hey, you want to see God? You want to know God? You want to be close to God? Purify your heart. Not only through the, mor the moral, morals you live, but internally, God sees the heart. You must be pure in heart. He goes on the next verse, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. I love this one. <laughs> peacemakers aren't just people who live peacefully. You can live peacefully and not make peace. Are you with me? Peacemakers are actually people who have opinions about peace. <laughs> peacemakers are ones who actually aren't silent, but they usher in love and grace and gentleness. They listen, but they also share with conviction the message of peace. See, they are the children of God because they actually partner with the work of the Father to usher in peace on earth. So peacemakers... Peacemakers are the people who look at the division of this world and the disunity of this world and say, I'm gonna, I have to do something about it. I might not fix the whole problem, 
but I'm not going to go down just as a silent, peaceful person. I'm going to be a peacemaker. And he goes on in the next verse, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We usually read this and we think, oh, this is, I mean, a lot of these verses, we don't apply them to our life, and this is one of those ones. But I believe suffering, persecution, and mockery will always come with Christians who act like Christians. (laughs) Meaning, for people who don't really act like Christians, but they say they're Christians, they probably will escape forms of mockery, persecution, and rejection. But for those who really lean into the teachings of Jesus and follow the teachings of Jesus, are passionate about Jesus, you will face these things in your life. And he says, when you do, and you have the boldness to trust me when it's hard, well, then I will bless you. I will take care of you. You can trust me because blessed are those who face persecution because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God sees our courage and our boldness when the world may judge us or think we're small-minded but when we stay faithful to the Lord. You know, our world needs followers of Jesus who will face mockery and rejection and persecution because I believe the fear of man is as strong as I've ever seen in my life. I really was thinking about this this week and I really believe that the fear of man, the fear of what other people think is stronger than it's ever been. It controls what we even sometimes believe we will allow other people to shape what we believe more than we just decide that the word of God will shape what we believe and so because we don't want to face their rejection we allow our beliefs to be shaped by their their opinions the fear of man is as strong as I've ever seen and God is saying we cannot be afraid of what other people think and stop short of trusting the word of God we must seek the favor and blessing of God more than the approval of others. So these eight statements, right? They're some of the first written teachings of Jesus. And it sort of feels like they are perfectly set the tone of what is to come because Jesus steps up, if you will, to the mic and he says, I'm bringing healing to your life. I'm going to show you. I have a slide that just kind of takes these and flips them a little bit into what he's doing. He's trying to heal us of our spiritual poverty, to heal us of our mourning. In verse 4, when he says, those who mourn will be comforted. To heal us of our arrogance. He says, blessed are the meek. And we lay down our privilege. He wants to heal us of our complacency. He says, it's those who are the blessed ones are the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He wants to heal us of our unforgiveness. He says, I'm going to show mercy to those who are merciful. What's the heal us of our impurity and says, I want to bless the pure in heart. He wants to heal us of our division. He says, bless the peacemakers. And he wants to heal us of our fear of men. Blessed are those who face persecution and mockery for my name's sake. And I just got to wonder, I mean, who needs, who needs some of that kind of healing today? Who needs God's blessing and healing power? I would, I, would think, I would think a lot of us. What if you prayed that healing over your life? We're going to pray in just a minute, but um, I think we should be able to say today, Lord, would you heal me of these afflictions? Perhaps 
some of us have already been healed of some of these things. Some of these things are in process, and there's others of those on that list that you would say, uh, yeah, that's really where I'm at today. You see, the message of Jesus was meant for the million. <laughs> the gathering of his church wasn't just the fellowship of singing and having friends and having community. I, I love when people say that. I think a lot of people, when you say, what, did you miss? what do you miss about church? Oh, I miss the fellowship or I miss the singing. And those are all wonderful things that I love doing too. I, loved, I missed all that stuff. But Jesus didn't gather the church together just for those reasons. He gathered the church together to heal people, to set people free. The gathering is where the presence of God came in power and he released healing into the room or healing into the atmosphere. Where he was saying, you know what, you know, this isn't just about the feel goods. This isn't just about you coming to get what you want. This is about him doing what he wants. This is not just coming to receive, but it's coming in order to join in the power of God's story and where he is setting people free and making things right and reforming and restoring this world of the way it ought to be. And he says, you know what, there's all this division, all this disunity, I want to heal it. All this mourning that you have, I want to comfort you. When Jesus gathered people, he healed them. He healed them, he healed them spiritually, he healed them physically. And so for us today... What kind of healing do you need? What healing do you want to pray over others? Second Chronicles 7.14, right? If my people, if my people who are called by my name, and I have to ask myself, is that me? If my people who are called by my name, is that me? I want to say, yes, that's me they will humble themselves, if they will pray and seek my face, if they will turn from their wicked ways, if they will repent of their sin, then I'll hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. There's a lot that God's going to do. God's going to do the miraculous part, but there's not a, it's not an empty verse. It's just about God's healing. It's about God's people, the gathering of his people, that they would humble themselves, that they would pray and seek his face, that they would repent of their sin. So I know we have work to do. We have trust to give. We have dependency to lean into, to our great healer. So we're going to pray. Would you bow your heads? Would you bow your heads? I just want to invite you to do that and I uh, want to lead us in a time of prayer. And I want to begin that by just taking a moment to just rest in this moment, to just sit in this moment and say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Could you say that on your own, in your own way? Just maybe a whisper prayer right where you're at and say, Holy Spirit, come. I want to receive what you have for me today. I want to receive your healing receive what you want to give today because Lord this isn't about what I want it's about what you want and so Father I, I open my heart to you to say Holy Spirit come I want to pray through these eight things very briefly but hopefully with quite a bit of clarity for you and I want to begin with healing of spiritual poverty spiritual bankruptcy spiritual bankruptcy, if that's you, if you identify right now with needing to say, God, I am nothing without you. 
I would call this a moment of salvation. This is someone that says, I, I am recognizing my need for God. I'm recognizing that without him, I have no part in the kingdom of heaven, but I want him and I'm ready to give my life to him. If you are in that moment right now, I wanna just, I wanna invite you to step in to say, Jesus is saying, with me, you receive everything. You become spiritually rich and spiritually confident. And I wanna heal you of your poverty. If that's where you're at today. All you need to do is just say a simple prayer. To say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. You can actually say that right now in your seat. If you're in this place, you're saying, it's time for me to say yes to Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just say that right now in your own, in your own moment, in your own whisper, in your own, in your own heart. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you just prayed that, please come and talk with me or one of our staff right, right after the service today because we wanted to share with you a little bit more about what it means to give your life to Jesus. Next, I want to pray over these other things that are on this list and maybe you're just going to, as I say them, I want you to identify with them. Do you need to be healed of your morning? Do you need comfort today? Do you need to be healed of your morning? If that's you, I want you to just in your heart say, this is me. I need to be healed in my morning. Do you need to be healed of arrogance? <laughs> Do you need to become more meek? Do you recognize in your own life that that has taken a hold of your heart more than you would ever like to admit? Do you need to be healed of your complacency, that hunger and thirst, man, you're so far from that right now, and you want to be healed of complacency so you can become a hungry and thirsty person, hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of God. If that's where you're at and you want to be healed of complacency, just say, that's me, that's where I'm at. If you want to be healed of unforgiveness in your life and you need mercy to overflow out of you, if you want to be healed of the unforgiveness, the grudge that you've held for so many years or so many months or so many weeks, whatever it is, and you just need to be set free of that and healed of that, just say, that's me, it's just me. Just, I want you to identify with these. If you want to be healed of impurity and you know in your heart you've been gripped by impure things, there's things that have snuck into your life and sin that has overtaken your life and you're saying, I need to get that out of my life. I want purity of heart because I want to have an intimate relationship with the Father. If you need to be healed of impurity this morning, just identify with that. If you need to be healed of division, this may be a prayer you want to pray over our nation, over our city. But the disunity and the division that exists in our world is real. We are all aware of it, and we are desperate. God, heal our land. And if you need to be healed of the fear of man, the fear of what others think, and you want to live for the approval of your Father in heaven, say, Lord, heal me of that. I live under that, that cloud and under that fear every day of my life, and I'm done with it. I don't want it anymore. But, Lord, it's only by your healing power that I can be set free of it. I can't will myself out of it. I can't crawl out of that hole or out of that pit on my own. It's only you that can pluck me out of that pit and place me on my feet so I can stand on the firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ. It is only by him that we are healed. It is only by the power of the Spirit that we are set free. 
And so we don't get to do this on our own. We don't get to muster up the strength to be hungry. We don't get to muster up the strength to be, to be meek. It's not about those things, Father. We can't do this without you. It is about what you want to do in this world. And so, Father, we need a move of your presence and your power in our lives. May we no longer sit complacently waiting for things to change, but may we become people who step into the change, who step into the things that you've called us to. We pray this in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray healing in this room. We pray, set, we pray freedom in this room. We pray it, Father. We pray for those watching and listening at home that, Father, they are feeling your presence surround them right now, and they are being set free. Right now, in your own words, if you're saying, God, I want some healing, would you just say in your own heart right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, heal me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, heal me by the power of your Spirit. Father, we pray that you would heal our land. We pray against sickness, division, and fear. We pray this with faith and belief in you. We pray this in the name of Jesus and everyone's said, Amen. Amen. Listen, I don't know if, any, if God did ministry right now for you. I don't know if, you, if he met you in this moment or if he's still meeting you, but we're going to worship and we're going to allow him to continue to, to move into your life, into your heart. And, and I just really do believe, I'm not, this isn't just words, that God wants to heal. Amen? God wants to do a work in people's life. And so we're going we're gonna to have worship, but there's, there's space up here if you want to come to an altar and pray. You can pray on your own. Our prayer team will wait till after the service to pray with anybody that wants that. But this time of response is for worship and individual prayer. But let's just pray. And as we even sing these words, it just reminds us that we can, we can praise in the middle of the storm. Right? Amen? So why don't you stand up as we praise. We praise not only in the middle of it. We praise before it. And we praise after it. We praise through whatever God has for us. So we just, we just uh, give them this time. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.